Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, John Clore. Hello, Mustang fans, and welcome to another Ford Performance Edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. I'm your host, John Clore, and as the Enthusiast Communications Manager for Ford Performance, I hope you are reading my efforts in the Enthusiast section of FordPerformance.com every single week. And as always, my co-host tonight is Mustang Hobby Guru Mike Ray, who also happens to be the president of Moxham, which is the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan. And Mike, you've got another one of our Mustang friends who is a veteran of Mustang memories and probably has one of the most unique stories of any of the Mustangs we've ever seen come down the pike in the last 40 years. You got that right. And I was absolutely honored to know that he unveiled that car after it was done at the 50th anniversary in Dearborn at Mustang Memories. Oh, that's right. That's where people saw it. So ladies that's where it was unveiled after the, uh, the restoration. If, yeah, if you guys can't figure that out right now, we're going to tell you that we have none other than John Graffelman, who is the very proud owner of Larry Shinoda's Boss Prototype Car, with probably one of the most interesting stories of any owner car. John, welcome to the podcast tonight. Thank you. So, John, I remember meeting you uh, at in the middle of Illinois Car Show, and I was didn't even know anything about your Mustang. I was really uh, knocked out by your Mercury Cyclone spoiler. Remember, right, and you had cool. it there, and I think it was was it a, a wood a Larry Wood car, or uh, I can't it's remember. Woods bar, yeah, the Woods Brothers NASCAR team owned it. Oh, and that just. Yeah, you had it up on kind of like a, a separated from the rest of the cars at the car show. You had stanchions around it. That's when I met you and your lovely wife and your kids. And I was so taken aback. And you kind of hinted that you may have another very significant car. And that's the story we want to tell tonight. And Mike, you know, you and I remember meeting John. John, you know, is just a super enthusiast. I never realized, uh, Mike, did you know that he had like 30 or 40 Fords? He's been a Ford fan that raced him all of his life did you know how deep he was into the fords no i did not know that yeah he not uh, as as a farmer in the middle of illinois he even had ford tractors but no those guys raced fords and i mean john how many fords did you guys wind up having over at the farm well i can't honestly tell you i i got i ain't counted them for a while but uh <laughs> we uh we uh you know we show fords we race fords we farm with fords uh, there might be somebody as much Ford, but nobody any more Ford. Well, that's that's why we knew when when I met you guys that you guys were true blue fans. And then you were talking about this Mustang. And John, let's go back to the beginning of this car because you know everybody likes to own a special car. And you, I, I understand, just happened upon a, an ad, and uh, you got a chance to say that this car was a very special car. So you went out and apparently looked at it. And you immediately noticed this wasn't what you thought it was. This wasn't really a, it wasn't a boss Mustang and it really wasn't a Mach 1. What did you find when you first went out to buy this car? What was it back in 1977? 75. Okay. So, wow. All those years ago, you, you spotted an ad and, and when you went out to see it, were, were a couple of things just not right in your mind when you. Well, I knew, I knew what pretty much what a, you know all Fords look like, and uh, 
I caught my eye right away as a spoiler, rear spoiler. Uh, it had a sag in it, but it had this, the stands were a lot closer together and they were chrome plated and uh, the blade on it was a lot thicker. Uh, so I, that was one of the things. And then the rear window louver, uh, the factory one has a hinge on the roof and, uh, and it's got hook or latches on the bottom there and uh, it lifts on a hinge on the roof. Now this one I got, the top louver is fastened solid and uh, the rest of the louver hinges on the top louver, louver. And then at the bottom where it latches, it's got a real nice little C-clip. You slide in, it locks it to the window, hmm. uh, which would have would is a much nicer looking, but it probably would have cost Ford a lot more money to make it. But uh, and then uh, the rear uh, rear scoops and the fender. I knew. Uh, anyway, yeah, I guess if, yeah. If it was a '69 mock, it would have those hip scoops up in the fenders in the rear fender. And how did this car not have those? Well, my, well, first of all, I'll tell you, my son, he was, uh, he happened to go to, he's the one that kind of encouraged me. I mean, every day we seen the car, you know, in the shed, but he's the one that said, we've got to find out what it is. So then one day he went to um, California and his, his uh, aunt lives there and they was going around and they talked to this one guy and he said that, uh, there is a car that's missing, and uh, that car had rear fender well, uh, fender cat, <laughs> fender scoops, and uh, so anyway, I uh, I ran like heck over, and I took a mirror and looked up to the trunk, and uh, it did have it's it did have one, and they're there, but it was capped over. I'll be darned. Somebody kept them. Uh, so that was one thing that gave me the, uh, you know, one thing I knew kind of what I had then. And then uh, another thing was uh, uh, one day uh, Donald Farr called me and he said, I got a picture here that I bet you've never seen. And uh, it's at the Gross Point Yacht Club, Michigan. And uh, with his uh, Larry's daughter and wife, and uh, it's got a trailer hitch on it. <laughs> and so that was another time I ran like heck, and went. It, it did have one time. It was the holes were there, uh, so kind of knew more and more. But uh, so many, I had a lot of encouraging times, and I had a lot of downer times. But uh, <laughs> that was, you know, one thing after another. And then uh, another thing is the steering wheel. Uh, has a, it's a racing steering wheel and it's got in the middle it said LB and uh, and then one of the spokes has a, a real nice fancy one stamped in it and uh, this was a little bit after the leather stuff when I was trying to uh, trying to dig up more stuff but anyway I thought one day I said if that could be mean Larry's boss. Yeah. Uh, so I, I talked to a couple of guys that I knew with Corvettes. And uh, that took about four months later. 
I said, can you find Larry's 63 split one Corvette? That was his prototype. And, uh, you know, I more or less gave up on it. And one day a guy called and he said that, you know, he was the owner of it and uh, he told me what it looked like. And it looked identical to my steering wheel, except it said LC, Larry's Corvette. Oh. And it had, it had a fancy one in it too. So yeah. that was uh, more and more things is coming around that I kind of was thinking what I had, but with no documentation, that was just, uh, you know, that's what I needed. And I didn't have that. Yeah. So you had a bunch of clues, essentially. Uh, folks, can you imagine, you know, you buy a car, you think it's kind of cool, but it's kind of strange at the same time. So John and his wife, Danette, buy the car. They drove it for a while and then stick it in a barn for, how long was it in a barn? For like 20 years, 30 years? Well, since 77. Wow. The, uh, see, we quit We quit driving the car because Danette had a hard time getting Jason out of the backseat, our little baby. <laughs> and uh, so then we started driving our Carino. And, right. uh, but anyway, I guess I... Uh, I bought this car shortly after we got married, and I told I told my wife Dan I said I was going to go look at it, and she told me, uh, "Go look, but don't buy it. You've already bought enough stuff." So anyway, that's the the number and, one thing that wives say. It's the only wife that, that doesn't say that is Tracy Ray. Yep. So anyway, I I did, <laughs> and I really didn't tell her for a while that I bought it. You know. Uh, <laughs> and then when she and then when I she seen it, she wasn't too happy. And uh, that is one uh, time when uh, you know a wife uh, usually don't admit, you know, she was wrong, you know. But she did after he found out really what it was, you know. He's then she said I made a good move. Oh God, yeah. Okay. Well, the the thing is with everybody's uh, knowledge of your your car and this story is that the fact that you had it, you you know, life got in the way. You went on, moved on to another car. But when you went back to start looking at it, it was the the community, the hobby, that one after another there was a clue here, a cute clue there, and then of course there was uh, our friend Kevin Marty, who I think he gave you a big piece of the evidence. Yep, he did. But you know, I, another couple of things I noticed right away: the car sat low, and you know, I was thinking that you know it. Possibly could have weak springs all the way around. And uh, then I later found out that uh, Larry's turned into a Trans Am suspension, you know, lowered it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, for a lot of people that don't know a little bit about Larry Shinoda, you know, um, Lee Iacocca was running away with the Mustang program, and then all of a sudden he ran afoul with Henry II. Um, he was demoted, as you might say, when when Henry II brought in uh, Bunky Nudson. And Bunky from General Motors and Bunky, one of his favorite designers was Larry Shinoda, uh, who had worked on the, the the Corvette and the Mako Shark and been very famous over there. So when he came over to Ford, a lot of the Ford guys go, oh, here comes a GM guy coming in here. 
And of course, Bunky didn't take too fondly to Mr. Shelby. He wanted to do his own car and he wanted to go race you know, Mustang under a Ford name, not a Shelby. And I remember one thing that I what validated your car, John, to to me. It was that when I talked to Gail Halderman, he said the first thing that Bunky did was the uh, one of the approvals for the 1970 Mustang. And of course, he had um, uh, he had to go down and look at the design proposals, which you know the 70 had a different front end than the 69. But when uh, he was down there with Halderman, and Halderman was asking for approval on the 1970, he brought in Mr. Shinoda. And he asked Shinoda, uh, okay, here's the 70 Mustang. If you had to do one thing to it, what would you do? And Larry said, I would take out that hip scoop. And he turned, Mr. Bunky Nutson turned to Gail Halderman and said, take out the hip scoop. Now, Gail Halderman loved that hip scoop, but Larry Shinoda was given this authority and was, that's why there is no hip scoot in the 70. And when you told me you looked under your car to see that that's 69 Mach that he was using a pro, as a prototype for what would become the boss had a filled in hood or a hip scoop in the in the quarter panel i then for sure knew you were on the right track you did have larry shinoda's personal ford vehicle which you know for some reason he said you know what i'm going to use my own car to make a prototype boss 302 and never the twain shall meet even though your car is what a 428 right yep so Cobra Jet 428. It was it was born a boss must or born a Mach one, and because Larry uh, was messing with it, trying to come up with a design for what would become the boss, that's why your car looked the way it did. Now, did you, did it have stripes on it when you when you bought it? Yes, it had the stripes, but the uh, boss 302 was deleted from that. Um, and then I was told that he did it did have rear disc brakes on it. And it did have Boss 302 in a stripe at one time. And for him to get, for he when he took it from Ford, he had to take the Boss 302 out of it and take the rear disc brakes off. I guess, uh, you know, because it wasn't a production one. Right, because he, he wanted to buy the car for himself when he left. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, so the rumor is he'd driven it for a couple of years, then he sold it somewhere. You bought it out of what, Peoria? Peoria, uh, so he so he only drove it for a few years, then sold it, and that's how you wound up with it. And nobody ever told you what it really was. No, I but I I from day one I called that my special edition Mustang. Though everybody that knows me, they uh, that's what I called it. Yeah, but I didn't know how special. Uh, and then. Well, boy, I don't know what else to say here. Well, I, when you when you saw it, when you. you you did figure it out. And when you said, oh, my gosh, that we do have Larry Shinoda's own personal car, his his company car that he himself put changes to to show his boss at the time, Bunky Nudson, what they should do if they would make a boss Mustang. And they used that car as kind of the exercise. When you found that out, you didn't touch it. And Mike, didn't you bring it up when it was still a barn find? Didn't we see it completely unrestored? Yes, we did with all the original dust from storage and everything on it. And I think that was the biggest, coolest factor ever. And everybody wanted to, to see what it was as they were walking by. And yeah, it, it was like untouched, just transported in time. Um, two Mustang memories where everybody could see it up close and personal. And like I said, and literally see the dust still on there from, from all the storage over all the years. Yeah, John didn't even wash it. 
Mike, I don't remember Mustang Memories having one of its specialty display cars as a true dirt, cake dirt. Yep, we got pictures of it somewhere on the website for sure. I mean, you know, I had, <laughs> and I had, uh, with the hood up, one of the guys seen us, uh, ear of corn in the intake. <laughs> and he and he offered me fifty dollars for that ear of corn. <laughs> I hope you sold uh, it. <laughs> yeah, it's on ongoing certain things like this. And then another thing I was going to add, uh, I read in magazines for a lot of years about stuff that, and this one thing that said that uh, uh, when Larry was done with this car, he took it over to GM. And spun black marks all through the executive parking lot in front of your old friends. And uh, <laughs> this guy came up to me at the one at the, this is uh, the Dream Cruise there when I had it there, and he said, "Did you ever see that printer?" I said, "Yeah." Well, he said, "I was riding with him doing it." <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I haven't heard anything that wasn't true. Everything is, you know, was corrected. I I ever heard. Um, so, John, did, did was Donald Farr uh, um, instrumental in helping you uh, find the the history and all that with it? Oh yeah, he sure was. Yep, he he was. And uh, Jerry Heasley gave me a few uh, little points here and there. But Kevin Marty and uh, Jim Smart, uh, and then I, you know, I I'm no. Uh, professional detective, but I tell you, I kind of think I was pretty good uh, for a lot of things I did. <laughs> yeah, you are. You know, when you, uh, when you, you know, I know you get to a point, you, when you get a lot of time that uh, things just uh, don't add up, then it just kind of puts you down some. But, uh, but when I found out, you know, afterwards that that. Uh, what it was and the whole documentation, uh, you know, that almost brings tears to your eyes, you know, and, um, you know, get receiving something, you, you know, you never had. And that's what I needed is documentation. Right. Right. You had the car. You just couldn't validate what you thought it was. That's exactly correct. But so my question to you is you bring it to Mike's show, Mike, I, re I don't remember anybody at memory saying that, it, you know what's this dirty barn i mean we thought the whole thing of dragging it out there with all the 30 years of dirt on it was kind of cool and honest to god barn find at mustang memories it turned out to be the the prototype for the boss 302 at your show and i don't think anybody did somebody say something to you mike that that should have been restored and then you told john graffelman well, yeah, a lot of people were saying that, you know, would love to see it restored. And I said, I don't know if it is or not, because there's a cool story, just the way it sits. And then uh, John got on it and was restoring it. And uh, like I said, we were very, very fortunate. And we had the car covered up and we were the ones that unveiled it live at the 50th anniversary in Dearborn um, at Mustang Memories in 2014. And what an honor that was there because everybody wanted to see it all done. And the, you, you only seen it first if you were there at that event. Yeah, well, John, was there any backlash that people thought maybe you should have left it the way you found it? Or, oh, did, I mean, oh, yeah, I it's we showed it several shows, uh, unrestored, and uh, we I had several people that you know they said, don't ever, don't ever restore it. Uh, and I, 
And then uh, a couple of those guys see me at a show and they said, I told you not to do it. And I said, well, my car, I'm not going to get in an argument with it. It's uh, we all decide we want to do it. And I think that's the way Larry would like to see it looking down. Uh, but uh, but I, when this car, when it got out that this car was still alive, uh, I got, I think I had 2,000 calls probably the first month. Oh, wow. I mean, constantly calling me. And uh, of all them callers, of all those calls, I had t three different people. One was uh, in uh, England, in one in the United States, and one was from Spain. And uh, those three certain people, you know, they more or less called me a liar on the phone. Ooh. And I, you know, I didn't want to argue again. I said, you got to believe what you want to believe. Uh, so when we took it at the show, we went uh, we went to Mustang, Oklahoma and showed it. Yep. And this, this guy walked up here and uh, didn't say a word. He looked all over and crawled underneath it and everything. And about an hour later, he came up and said, well, that's the real thing. I said, yeah. Well, he said a buddy of mine on the phone called you a liar. And you know, it, whether it was him or not, but it was, uh, so that's one little thing, uh, yeah. you know, very well could have been him, but he, you know, to come that far, you know, from England to see the car and then, uh, and even to say that, you know, his friend called me a liar on the phone. Wow. Well, you, you know, to your credit, John, you didn't go to the local Mako body shop to get it redone. I understand you've got Bob Perkins up at Perkins Restorations in Wisconsin and uh, Phil Schultz. I mean, there's a lot of NOS parts that went into your restaurant. I mean, you guys sweat the details. And when Mike Ray was able to pull the, the wraps off, the, I mean, I saw the car in dirt. And to see it again, the job you guys did on that car, I don't think Shinoda's car was that clean and beautiful when he was driving it himself. No, I don't suppose it was. And everything was lined up perfect you know the, the cracks doors and that trunk and the hood everything was done i think very well and i i've restored cars before but uh and i still can do that but i my shoulders are bad and i can't paint like i used to and stuff like that so i figured i'd have those two fellows do it and i knew i could trust the, you know that i get to prototype parts back you know yeah yeah Oh my gosh. So what are the car, the, everybody's gone off the circuit with the pandemic and what, I mean, are you planning to put the car up for auction like they did with the bullet? Are you going to sell it? Are you going to show it? What's your future for this car? Showing it, showing it and showing it. That's what. Okay. <laughs> Mike Ray keeps calling, doesn't he? Uh, we, but, you know, what, what's kind of sad is, uh, you know, when you go to some car shows, and you and you look around and all all of a sudden there's a man or a woman you know cleaning their car up you know and they're the only ones there and they you know they'll even say their family ain't interested and in stuff like that mm -hmm. and uh, I've got you know it's different here we our whole family is car people so uh, I don't think it would go over too good with the kids and wife if I sold it. 
<laughs> well, I but I didn't. I haven't got no desire to sell it anyway. Okay. Uh, I mean, the money sounds the money. It sounds good, but uh, you know, we're, we're you know we're not going to take it with us. You know. I mean, my dad always used to say too, you're never going to see a a Brinks truck falling a hearse. You know. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, we're all happy that the that you're going to be able to keep the car on the circuit and. And we'll be able to see it. I know uh, Mike is happy. <laughs> uh, but Mike, uh, the big question everybody asked me when that came to, to uh, Memories was, you know, when you showed the car at Memories Restored, um, a lot of people that were on the fence should have restored it or not. It still was part of what has been part of Memories for so many years, which was like you always had some kind of specialty area where despite all the wonderful Mustangs that are in Mustang memories and come up for the Woodward dream cruise, you always be able to find these cars. How did you first get hooked up with John? Uh, it was actually through Donald Farr. So um, he was telling me the story and uh, thought it would be a great addition to the show. And I absolutely agreed, obviously. And, uh, and we made it happen. And yes, um, that's one of our niches at our show is we always like to have the special cars, John, when, you first helped me with the the Western Mustang and oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and the branded Mustang and things like that. Those, remember, those yeah, remember Gail are, Wise was there, wasn't she there when John was there? Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. Gail Wise was there with the first retail Mustang. So all those special cars like that um, have a, a cool meaning that you don't see at your everyday car show. So mm-hmm. I want our show to be a destination, which we have made it into, for people to come and see sp- something special and something different that they can't see anywhere else. Yeah, well, that's for sure. John Graffelman's boss. Absolutely. From that, that car. John, we're so pleased that you're going to hang on to the car and continue to try to show it at select shows across the country. You've, your family is always a lot of fun to hang out with. Uh, yours is a true Mustang owner story. Uh, I mean, the real barn find, the, the, the funny thing is you had it in your own barn, just didn't know exactly what it was. But your detective work, making it, getting the validation, John, uh, Hats off to you to be able to find out that this truly was, I wish Larry was around to see it because the last time I saw your car, I know he would have been thrilled to know that somebody found it and restored it and brought it back to its glory to be what it was, which, and prototypes are even rarer than the first or the second, you know, that we're so proud of what you've done with it, John. Well, our whole family's grateful we got to know uh, you, John and Mike, both of you. Um, we, we love coming to Michigan. Uh, we love going to all shows. We mainly just go to invitational shows and, uh, but Michigan, it seemed like whenever we're there, we always, uh, you know, Ford, Ford engineers or mechanics, whatever they come up and they, uh, you get stories that you never heard before. And some stories you have heard, but you, you, then you're hearing it right from the horse's mouth, you know, the real truth about something. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. you know, next year, John, we're doing a 30-year SVT bash. It's going to be the biggest uh, collaboration of SVT people in history, um, celebrating 30 years of uh, SVT. John's going to be a huge part of that along with me. And um, you want to talk about all the people that have been around for a long time, the Neil wrestlers and things like that, John. Huh? Is that Would that be just an exciting uh addition to to have that uh the Graffelman car on display as well. Well yeah if we bring especially if you brought somebody like a Dave Parasak who was responsible for the last boss 302 on the current yep. generation 
It, would he get a kick? I don't know if Dave Parasak ever saw John Graffel. I don't know if he has or not. Uh, not in person. I mean, unless he was way back at either one of your shows, Mike. But can yeah, you imagine the, the, Dave that. Yeah, the father of the modern day Boss 302 to have him meet John Graffelman and see the original, the actual Larry Shinoda prototype Boss 302 car that's been restored would be a cool photo op. I think that'd be something even a guy as lofty as Dave Parasak on the Ford food chain would love to see this car. So, John, hopefully Mike can make the John Graffelman meets up with Dave Parasak day with the two Boss 302 superstars That'd be john fun. i will make that happen well good thank you yeah he's he, it's parasax the guy who brought the boss back but i don't i'm not going to say for sure unless mike finds him out differently i don't know if he's ever seen your car john and that's the one that started it all right 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 yeah right. i i don't think so either i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to dave though i'm gonna text him later tonight find out the answer to that well then if it does happen we'll have to since john grafferman still answers your phone because we don't call him a liar <laughs> he'll, he'll answer your phone. we'll have to invite you john back to one of our big shows uh hopefully the world headquarters show and you meet up with the, the modern day man who brought the boss back to the ford stable that would be really cool as well as all the other things we've got planned for our detroit uh, audiences and uh not just that john if you're going to be out and about let us know if you're going to some other shows across the country we'll be happy to promote whatever appearance so the people that are listening to the mustang owners podcast can go see this car for themselves mike it was it was so spectacular just to see it when you pulled the cover off i go that can't be the it, same car. it's a car you'll never forget once you see it yeah it, it and you have, leaving those unique features not changing it that's the way shinoda had it uh you know and there is a tie john between shinoda and svt uh larry shinoda was uh, the designer on the svt super stallion which was an sn95 a lot of people probably have a poster of it or a, uh, a diecast model of it with a purple and white. He did the stripe setup on it. He did this the side window blankouts with the scoops in it. And, you know, Shinoda was known to not like things that weren't functional, which is why he filled in those hip scoops on the 69 Mach. But he actually made the scoops in the quarter windows of the SN95 vent into the inside, which was <laughs> which he had to, <laughs> right, uh, on that prototype. So maybe... Um, I mean, that, that, that little touch of Shinoda last uh, styling effort at Ford was with SVT. Maybe that'll be enough to get you out, maybe to meet Parasac, to do something fun in Detroit. What a great car, John. And I'm so pleased to. Great. Yeah. And by the way, if it did go to auction, I know Mike Ray would be bidding on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure he would too. You probably would too, John. Well, <laughs> <laughs> me and John have to put our money together. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. And a few other, and 10,000 other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one goal we want to do though is when we're in michigan one of these times i want to take and unload the car in front of uh larry old house mm -hmm. and because uh, joyce said the house is still standing they said a tornado tore half of it down but they rebuilt it but uh joyce isn't living there no more but i mean she that'd be neat and then also the gross point lock rot lot rot gross point, point yacht club yeah. Oh, yeah. We that's right down the road from the Etzel and Eleanor Ford House. Uh, there are some people that um, would be able to get us in there. That would be a if you could try to recreate the photo. I know Mike had a road trip, Mustang Memories, and we did it at the Henry Ford Fair Lane Estate. And there's a famous picture of Henry coming back from the Piquette plant, and uh, Clara Ford standing at the front door, and he getting out of his 
Model T with his foot up. And a lot of people that went to Mustang Memories Road Tour tried to pull into the the Partico and stand in front of Ford's mansion and try to recreate the same photo. If you could go to the Gross Point Yacht Club and recreate the Larry Shinoda photo with your boss prototype, John, that would be a photo for the photo books. Well, that would, that's, that's my goal. We, uh, uh, I don't think it would be any problem, you know, just, uh, arranging. Are you with kidding? Me. Mike Ray will make a couple of phone calls. That's how stuff happens around here. I got you, John. <laughs> well, John, thank okay. you again for bringing to light all the, this wonderful car and the fact that, uh, you know, the most barn find stories don't turn out this well, but you, uh, your, your diligence and your hard work made for bringing a, an iconic prototype back to life. And the good news is we're going to, ladies and gentlemen, get to see this car. So we'll keep you informed on where it goes and when it's on display. And John, we always look forward to you contacting us and telling us, hey, we're coming back to Detroit. Okay. Uh, there's, you know, I've, I could, I could say a lot, lot more, but uh, I know we're close on time now, but uh, if uh, anybody who see the car, we'll talk about it in person sometime then. That's the beauty of Mustang memories and to see the people actually own the cars where you get to go up to the owners and have a one-to-one face-to-face conversation. That's the glory of our hobby. Uh, but thanks for sharing your story on the Mustang Owners Podcast, John, and joining us tonight. It's a wonderful story. Well, thank you. I, I sure glad you asked me this. Uh, Danette's right here too, and she, she maybe will tell you that she uh, will agree that was a good move buying it. But at the time <laughs> when I bought it, it wasn't. <laughs> Usually, the wives will never agree. But uh, Danette, thank you for. <laughs> Owning up to that one. J- Jenny only <laughs> says that I make mistakes when I sell cars, not when I buy them. <laughs> but uh, again, you guys are, yeah. you guys are wonderful. Well, thank you. You guys are too. Okay, we hope to you know, see this beautiful Bosch you know, the prototype at a show near you soon. And uh, John, thanks again. Mike, thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, we will also thank you for listening in on the Mustang Owners Podcast. And hopefully next time we'll catch you down the road. 